Hello, everybody. I am Zach Jackson. He is Andre Knott. And this is the A to Z podcast. A to Z podcast.com. Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. At Dre Knott, at Akron Jackson on most of your favorite social media platforms. Shouts, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks, and our newest sponsor, Cleveland Whiskey Dre. It looks like fall out there. It feels like fall out there. It smells like football out there. Um, it was about 65 degrees an hour ago. It was so nice that I even got my ass I off know. the couch out of my mom's basement and went for a walk. Now, I saw you got your uh, Coach Borman on yesterday. You got your Ansel Adams on. You <laughs> took your last final shot uh, over the lakes, which is always uh, bittersweet because, you know, the end of summer is here. We've known that already. Uh, you know, the NFL trade deadline – it went by without a bang. I know that we sat around and waited to do our podcast. And maybe it didn't because I was doing stuff with my kids and I've had some appliance issues in my house. But after uh, all the hoopla, much like going to the prom at 16, 17 in Manchester for Zach Jackson, there was a lot of noise and nothing happened at the end of the night. Well, we'll talk about that later. Um, speaking of, let's do this. Occasionally on this podcast, we play a little Glory Days. Um, we, it's sponsored by our friends at American Fireworks. They're open all year round at AmericanFireworks.com. And this is a good time of year to stock up on fireworks or to think about getting gift certificates for the holiday season. Uh, Dre, Halloween. Um, I had a thought occur to me today. So I had agreed to do the Bishop and Laurinaitis radio show in Columbus this morning. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm going about my day and I forgot. So I look down at my phone. I see 614 whatever. I say a four-letter word. I'm like, I forgot. So I, I hurry up and get to the next exit. I pull in, and the producer's like, you're fine. You know, we called you two minutes early, whatever. And I get on the line, and it occurred to me, I always try to give Bo some crap because he dresses so fancy, and he's always got the fanciest sweater on, even when maybe it's the summertime, right? <laughs> but I had this Halloween right. thought occur to me. In, like, 1987 or 1988, I dressed as James Laurinaitis' his father, Road Warrior Animal, for Halloween. And so oh, I had much more creative nice. costumes as the years went on. I had ones that got me in trouble. But at the time, uh, NWA wrestling, and specifically the Road Warriors, was it for me. And I really thought that I was the toughest man on the block. <laughs> How did that go over on their show? <laughs> well, see, I don't really know James in real life. So he was right. probably like, okay, whatever, you weirdo. <laughs> um but I, I got it. He's probably, like all of Minnesota, he's probably like all of Minnesota and Ice Punk. Yeah, yeah he actually well. chuckled. He goes, he goes, that's funny because I dressed my, as my dad too for three or four Halloweens. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was pretty funny. But um, let's let's go back. Let's play a little Glory Days. Take me to a young Andre Knott on Trick or Treat. Other than chasing little white girls oh. around the neighborhood, what were you doing? <laughs> I'm out. See what happens when you get a dig on problems being bad on Zach Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> truth to truth. Uh, I'm trying to think. I had a Superman costume one year. Uh, see, these kids don't know what it's like now. And like my, like my son, and this just plays into your spoiled, rotten kids thing that you always get into. But that's easy for you to so say. You ain't got no kids, and you still get spoiled by your mama. So I guess that makes sense. Um, but we had those plastic outfits. You remember the plastic, like, Halloween costumes you get from, like, Gold Circle? Oh, yeah. um, that Gold if it just If it touched, like, the corner of, like, if it touched, like, the corner – of like a uh, a table, it would rip. Well, I was quite rambunctious in my day and time, and I'd say I was probably about eleven or twelve. And I had like the uh, and speaking of wrestling, I had the the Randy Macho Man Savage um, setup, and it had the whole face and had all the all the stuff. I wanted to be Ultimate Warrior, but I was mad because they didn't they wouldn't let me tie up my arms or whatever, so I had to be a Macho Man. 
even got like a robe, like one of my mom's robes to go over the plastic outfit. And it ended up being probably like it's going to be trick or treat for us in a couple of days on Thursday. It rained and it rained so bad I ended up ripping it. And all I had was the mask by the end of it. I lost my mom's robe. Uh, and I just had a bunch of candy. I think I went like three blocks, came home with a bunch of candy. And my mom's like, where's my robe? And I'm like, mom, my outfit is gone. Who cares about your robe? Last time I was able to use any props from home for uh, Halloween, to say the least. <laughs> but I got a ton of Twix bars, and that's all that matters. And speaking of my son, he goes, he wants to be, and I, this must be the thing that kids do nowadays, and we have a neighborhood full of kids all the same age, which is awesome. Awesome. But there's pluses and minuses to everything. And, like, all of our kids kind of want to, like, they all, like, dress almost off of each other, you know, because they're all hanging out, so... You know, some are like three witches, and they're like they're all different witches of, of different uh, TV, you know, different TV shows, movies, or whatever. Uh, and then because my son hangs out with a different, he just he kind of hangs out with everybody. So he kind of hangs out with the girls that my daughter are, is friends with. He kind of hangs out with the guys that you know because he's a guy. So he's got two outfits, and this isn't the spoil. This is the spoiled AJ Rod not all the way, and I love it. So he made my wife, he didn't make my wife, but my wife will do anything he wants. He asked my wife if he wanted to be a wolf. And I was jealous of the wolf outfit that she found somewhere. I think she found from Target or whatever, but it wasn't from here. So we had to get it sent to the house. And the wolf outfit, is, it's awesome. Like it, like, it looks like a little bear, like a little wolf. Like, it's like all furry. Um, it looks like something that I would put on when I was drunk in college. Uh, obviously, if it was four, it's four times bigger. Uh, it's an awesome costume. Like, it would have been the best costume I would have had my entire freaking life. But my mother-in-law, who helped spoil my kids rotten, which is fine, it's great, he told her one time that he thought, because he was being around his guy friends, and she asked him what he wanted to be for Halloween, he told her Captain America. So he's got this rad Captain America outfit, got like a cap that comes over his head, it's like a bodysuit. It's got like you've got all all the all the, the the all the place all the things that you can put along with it. It's awesome. So he's got two outfits, and he's already gone to like two different Halloween things, and he hasn't touched his wolf outfit. And I'm guessing Thursday night is trick or treat in our neighborhood that he's going to see what everybody else dresses up as, and I guess when he sees how cold and wet it is, old Wolfie's going to come out of the closet, and we're going to have to have the second outfit for AJ Knott in 2019. Look out, fancy Wadsworth neighborhood. AJ Knott's coming for your candy bars now and your daughter's in a few years. <laughs> and in that order. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I went to OU, obviously Halloween was a big deal. And, you know, it, I, I just feel like now, uh, and frankly, I'll admit to getting on Instagram and checking out some of the OU costumes, even though I'm old enough to be their father. <laughs> I feel like social media has made Halloween such a sport, right? Like, I know of all ages. And, and I'll say this: um, last year, since I, I've always been a trendsetter, I've always been ahead of the curve. Uh, me and a group of friends, we dressed as White Claws. We were into the White Claw before everybody else was, and they were great costumes, and they were a hit at the couple of parties that we went to. And I'm glad we did it. But I would say this year, I'm really glad that both weekends fell on when the Browns were out of town because it gave me exhaustion from it. Like, A, we're not going to top that costume, right? And B, I just didn't want to do it because even though I don't act like one, I I am kind of an adult. And and I don't care. You know, everybody has their fun, right? And not everybody is looking – everybody has next week's Mac weeknight game scheduled like I do. I just feel like, like the pressure is so on now that some people just do Halloween 
for the, the do it for the gram, right? I didn't even mean to say that, no, but it's no. like it becomes such like a pressure thing. Am I am I right on that? Yeah, but see, I'm, I yes, I feel like white people love Halloween way more than black people. But that's just me. <laughs> yes. I, like, I, like, and I, I love you, white people. I'm just saying, I didn't go see brother. Like, I just remember in college, like. I, even to say I've never been into Halloween. I don't know why. It's just it just hasn't been my thing. Um, probably because I had a deep voice and was about this big at 13, 14 years old. And parents were asking me why I, why I was that old coming to their door asking for candy. And I'm like, I'm 13, bitch. <laughs> and that made me hate you, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, I do feel like I know in college at Kent, and Kent's pretty good at, at the Halloween thing as well. Um, and we didn't have the gram when we were in college, but it did feel like a, it felt more like a competition to show off and have pictures more than it was. The, I mean, what are you celebrating with the holiday? To be completely honest, uh, it's the time to get. I mean, it's the time to get together and get drunk and act stupid. And, and uh, it's so you know, even when we got older, I remember my wife worked downtown Cleveland at a restaurant bar that no longer exists, but it was a cool place. And one night during it was during Halloween. Obviously, we were I was covering the Browns. And they had the running joke that of being in downtown Cleveland of how many different ways women could dress like whores, but it was okay because it was Halloween. Like you had hoary baby, hoary doctor, hoary nurse, hoary like werewolf. Hoary like, it was just like, you know, they would just like, however you could whore it up and get half naked for the women. Um, and it was okay because it was Halloween. So uh, God bless everyone. I'll be on the gram like everybody else, checking out what everybody else is doing. Uh, but good old, and I will say, being in where I live in Wadsworth, uh, I like claiming Wadsworth on Halloween. The one good thing about being a grown-up and walking with your kids on Halloween at trick-or-treat, if you're going to be home Thursday night, I will tell you to come over. to the, come over. I'm not even doing my TV show this weekend or Thursday because when you walk around my neighborhood, well, you get home in the St. V chance when I walk by and let's go Indians chance. But about every fourth, hat, fourth house has jello shots or has, like, warm shots or has drinks for you. They even buy out our clubhouse. Last year, somebody bought out the clubhouse in our neighborhood and, like, made it a bar. And it was just for the parents. Like, they had candy for the kids up front. And in the back, there was just a bar to make whatever drink you wanted or whatever warm drink you wanted to keep on walking around the neighborhood. There is a That's champagne how you do everywhere you there. go. Let's just be honest. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. But see, I thought you were happy that you were on the road for Halloween these two weekends because you could do what we did in St. Louis, what, 12 years ago. And you could just take in the vibrations and take well, in – the limitations yeah. of being on the road and seeing people that don't know you. Yeah, you're you're right, but I, I would say this: the reason, the whole reason I brought this up is because when I went to New England, I went to Providence slash Pawtucket, and I never left the room. Like I just mentally and physically exhausted, you know, between the season, yeah, the book, and whatever else. Like when I woke up Saturday morning, I was just pumped to get there, get the flights over with, and just do nothing and watch football. And I watched the World Series. I watched Notre Dame, Michigan, and I just wore my sweatpants and ordered DoorDash, and I was the happiest motherfucker in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, quite frankly. So, um, for for those that are new to the podcast, those who just get to know Andre and Zach, what he just explained to you was the Browns at two and five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah hey, that point. No, I was talking to someone about this earlier today. Every year, internally and externally, it's the same thing, right? It's all this optimism. And then it's the same shit. It's the same fake insiders. It's the same fake rumors getting tossed around. It's the same uh, underachievement. It's the same coach doesn't have any answers. It's the same people in the, in the same spotlight, the same blame getting – and it's the same record. 
This is the third time since 2007 that the Patriots are 8-0 and to start a season. This is the fifth time since 2006 that the Browns are 2-5 and to start a season. Thanks for listening to A to Z. Talk to you next week. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, like, it's the, the cycle of shit, you know? And, and, and it just is. let me say this, too. I, I said this before. I tried to write this. I would love to stand up, sit here, whatever, since you can't see me, and say, guys, it's ridiculous to talk about the head coach. It's seven games in. It's a first-year head coach. They'll figure it out. Don't talk about firing him. It's only been a little bit. It's only been this, whatever. However, when you watch the Browns and you see a team that's on pace to set the NFL record just off the pace for penalties, when you see just bumbling decisions, when you see a sideline in chaos, when you see gross mismanagement and not ready to play on multiple occasions, they've now lost three games by two touchdowns or more. Um, it's time to ask if the Browns hired the wrong coach. And if you think this roster is talented, and it's talented to an extent, if you think this roster is too talented to be doing what it's done, and now that you've seen it multiple times, do you really think that – I mean, I, I just – I'm rambling. It just it makes my blood boil. I can't believe we're here again. I, I really can't. I should know better, but I really can't believe we're here again. It has not been one time where when the head coach comes out and says, guys, this one's on me, I'll own it, and I'll be a part of fixing it. No. In nearly every game, there's been a head-scratching decision. In nearly every game, there's been gross mismanagement or disorganization. In nearly every game, there's either a bad challenge, a boneheaded play that's too cute, or something just completely inexplicable, even by Brown standards. And I'm not talking about a guard kicking the ball out of his running back's hands because that's just shit that happens in a football game, specifically in an NFL football game. I'm talking about half your punt team on the field, half your punt team off the field. I'm talking about challenging pass interferences when you yourself have said on the record, I know not to challenge a pass interference. It won't be overturned. Talking about uh, saying one thing and then coming back on the other for multiple occasions. And I'm talking about coming off a bye and not having your team ready to play. Man, guys, this is bad. And I like Freddie as a person. And I want, in a desperate way, to cover a relevant, breathing, living, contending NFL team. But come on, guys. This is a five-alarm fire, and we might need to call in more trucks. Okay. I'm going to give you a word. And I'm going to be asshole Andre here. Half the people anyway think I'm that. Most people know I'm not. They know I just play that because it's more fun to do. There's a seven-letter word associated with the Cleveland – associated with any successful business and any business that is not successful. And the Cleveland Browns, despite the T-shirt companies in Cleveland, despite the radio hosts, they tell you how important they are to the team. And all the other jokes and jokers that we get to come along with this team that we've made fun of and mocked over the years. And we've been a part of the people that have been mocked because we've been in that, in that cubbyhole that is Berea. It's pretty simple what the issue is in my eyes. Whether it's Hugh Jackson, whether it's Butch Davis, whether it's Freddie Kitchens, whether it's Chris Palmer, whether it's whomever you want, whether it's Dave Chodowski or, or Chodowski from, from Illyria. They got no fucking culture, people. I watch you guys rant and rave on Twitter during Browns games. And because of Zach Jackson and some other friends that I respect, I rarely tweet during Browns games, if ever, anymore. 
I watch every snap. I watch every play. But I don't even tweet back and forth with you jokels during the game. And when I say something as simple as, you guys are – it's the same – like, everybody continues to do the same thing over and over. The owners do it. The writers do it. The players do it. The fans do it. The radio hosts do it. The TV show hosts do it. The stupid podcast people do it. We do the same shit over and over and expect a different thing to show up and happen. Freddie Kitchens had never called plays a year ago today. But we were blinded by the fact because we had a quarterback that dropped his balls off to his hands and we thought that was professional and that was real cool. Let's make that guy an orange fucking T-shirt. Let's make him our head coach. He dresses just like the pumpkin head guy that we love. And we just thought magically, click, we'd be able to play with the Bill Belichick's of the world. And we'd be one of the top franchises in the world. Don't work like that, people. It's funny, last night the Pittsburgh Steelers were playing the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins come out, and I got two, two of my better friends, are huge Steeler friends. And they were blown away that I wasn't already texting them talking shit when they went down 10 nothing, 14 nothing, whatever it was. 14, yeah. And I texted them 14. And then I said to Rob and Dennis, because I know they both li- listen, I go, look, you guys got – I go, the Dolphins have the better quarterback, the more experienced quarterback. I go, but that same guy will give you the ball back three times in the next half. And I go, and you guys will win going away. And they were still pissed, and they laughed. And I go, but you know what? It's the culture of what the Dolphins are doing. It's the culture of what the Steelers are doing. And lo and behold, as much as they hated telling me this, they texted me at the end of the night, and they were like, thank God you were right. We hate telling you that because we hate when you're right. The culture in Cleveland with the Browns absolutely sucks. And nobody wants to hear about being patient. No one wants to hear about taking time to learn about people. And I said this a couple podcasts ago, and you kind of pushed it aside. Some kind of did. When they hired Freddie Kitchens, they told us, you guys must believe in rainbows and fucking tooth fairies if you thought this team was going to be seven games. It does look like a shit show. I hate bringing up firing coaches after seven games. If you know me, and you know me well, I'm stood by the idiots all the way to Hugh Jackson because I, and I tell you this all the time, I just never think just firing the coach solves all the issues with a team, especially the Cleveland Browns. And as long as the the template is the template in Berea, it's going to be very hard to supplement and give a total season to make things work. Remember what everybody's bitching about OTAs and who was there and wasn't there? And, I, and you and I refuse to have that. We refuse to go back and forth. Because as you said, and I respected what you said, when you went and got Odell Beckham Jr., this is part of what you bought into and what you deal with. You said something of that nature, right? I and see. I agreed with you. You're right. You're signing up for all that comes with it. Yes, that's what you said. And I didn't disagree with you because you're right. This is what you signed up for. So you can't bitch about it. This is what's coming. So when he drops that pass, it's all about timing and all about having a feel for your quarterback and the quarterback having a feel for his wide receiver. And that pass gets dropped the other day in New England. And I know you don't look at my text messages, but I have to text your ass because I don't tweet and I don't want to fight with the dumbasses. I had a preacher come at me Sunday night for one quote. Sean's no longer on Twitter. Way to go, priesthood. All I text you, and in our group text was, that's a bad drive. And you tweeted, that ball has to be caught. And all I said to you was, well, when do you get your timing? 
OTAs and mini camp and, and training camp. Something OBJ didn't have to do. You let your quarterback throw to a bunch of receivers that are skimming pools and trying to sell insurance. And now, right now, on game day, that's what those guys are doing. And one dude was smoking weed or doing whatever, getting suspended. But when the game starts, you got two receivers out there that did none of that for two and a half, three months. But, yeah, we're going to go to New England and look good. They got talent. Talent is great. But talent means nothing if you don't have a culture that brings guys together, that has their culpability for lining up wrong, for not lowering the snap count. Fuck, like, 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 I got nothing bad to say about Nick Chubb. He had a bad day. And if his bad day is 20 for 154 and three fumbles, I'll take that. Because I know he shows up and he works his ass off and he doesn't say anything and he's ready. Unfortunately, I can't say that about half the roster, coaches, general manager, or ownership. Skimming pools. Where do you come up with this shit? <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's trying to hold me back. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, but I, I'm frustrated, but I'm more frustrated by us. What did we really expect, Zach? The guy's never coached a game, and you can tell. You can tell from you the minute the coin is tossed. You can tell. You can tell. Um, the discipline sucks. But do you trust? Wait, 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 wait. Let me say this. But do you trust the people, whether it's firing him, whether it's keeping him, whether it's giving him more help? Do you trust the people around him? And this isn't anything against Dorsey, but hey, you're part of all this now. You're part of the. You're part of the good. We clap you on your back when you're doing good, buddy boy. But when that's you right. make bad, he's part of a culture that's made a. a ton of bad decisions and i don't trust any decision they make going forward dorsey became the me wrong. Dorsey me became the unquestioned boss about this time last year right when it was clear that the browns had better players than their record indicated when he made that move and when it worked for those few weeks that it worked right that's when he became the unquestioned boss and he became the unquestioned boss by earning it to an extent but by earning it by brown standards for the first time since Butch Davis had done it 17 years ago, Dre, right? Because everybody else was just handed it to him, right? Because I, I, when Phil and Romeo got those extensions in 07, there was no unquestioned boss, and they were on board. The coordinators got extended too, right? The quarterback got extended too. Yeah. Um, right. Then it was Mangini for a few months, and then, then it was given to Holmgren, and that was a disaster. Then they changed owners, and they fired everybody about every 18 months or even less in some cases for the first few years. <laughs> they went to Mike Patton. Then they put the accountant in charge of right. the team. And then here came John Dorsey. <laughs> right? I mean, it's <laughs> right. it's comical. It's comical to, to go through to go through this shit. I mean, there there is right. no worse GM in the history of the National Football League than Ray Farmer, and you replaced him with an accountant. I mean, it is so fucking amazing. Right. Amazing. You let Mike Lombardi you let Mike you let Mike Lombardi. You let Mike Lombardi come back into in the burrito. Yes, I, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry, but I mean we can't. I mean we keep expecting something different from the same mindset. Now, at some point in time, I mean the way they got Dorsey and the way they went about getting Dorsey, that was that was one of the best moves they've made. But Dorsey isn't a perfect man either. I remember saying to you, if he was as perfect as everybody's making him out to be in Cleveland, why the hell do we get a chance to get him? Well, that that's and right. when I said it, it was like people were like people were like people were like, oh, you can't say that about Dorsey, and I'm like, well, why not? That's right. Like he he and, has he's not perfect. And look along the way, um, John Dorsey's brought some really good football players to this team. Now, absolutely. On, on another hand, like my mom could have because of what was here, right? 
Shout True. out, Mom. I know you're listening. True. Love you. Can I borrow 20 bucks? Anyway. Bye, um, Jackson. Woo! <laughs> um, but, like, he has operated. It's not just the fans. It's not just the tweeters. It's not just the broadcasters, as you mentioned. Because Dorsey arrived like the Browns have operated like the Browns have arrived. Right? Like, right, when you right. continually go get guys like Antonio Callaway that can't be trusted, like, you're acting like that's the guy that can put you over the top, like Kareem Hunt for example, right? Like when you right. go give, right. give right. these resources for Vernon Richardson, both of whom played very well the other night, and, and both they of whom did. I think are really good which players. Tell- but, hey, but you're saying we're which is telling about I'm going to tell you something. Hey, remember those two names. It's telling that they busted they asked and brought it against New England. Go ahead. Yeah, but but you're saying that we're here, right? And, and specifically the Odell trade. You're saying we're here, and this is the guy that's going to get right. this offense to the next level. Now – all that being said, we know it hasn't happened. Yes, um, we know there's not one culprit. It's not. It's not just Dorsey. It's not just Freddie. It's not just Baker. It's not just the Arena League guy they've got playing left tackle, which squarely falls on Dorsey and his guys, right? It's a team effort. But the only thing I want to ask you right now is this, okay? I'm not a trained scout, but you know a little bit about that. I know a little bit about what I'm watching, and I and I told you this, yes. and I told you guys this. Listen, and I wrote about it. After about a week of training camp where the defense dominated, frankly, the defense was playing well, but the offense was just kind of blah, and that'll happen. For about the week and a half to two weeks that followed, Baker Mayfield threw beautiful passes. I'm talking downfield spirals, things of beauty, as good as I've ever seen, and not just on a brown skin. Odell was all over the place. The the, the talent was, was obvious. I mean, outside of the one in the Jets game where Odell reaches out with one hand. Have we seen a beautiful one like that? I mean, no. I, I don't um, – and, 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 and let me finish this. So that's one, part one of the question. Part two of the question. The Atlanta Falcons are god-awful. Julio's still getting his numbers. The Seahawks have yeah. Tyler Lockett surrounded by a rookie who can't really catch and a bunch of cast-offs. The, every defense knows the ball's still coming to Tyler Lockett. He's still getting his numbers, right? Um. Yep. Brady spreads it around as well as anyone, but on third down, everybody in the stadium still knows it's going to Bub Zettelman, and Bub Zettelman catches it every time, right? So why can these teams do this, and why can't the Browns get the ball to Odell Beckham? The culture sucks. And I go back to when you were seeing great catches, him throwing all over, a lot of it's 7-0-7, a lot of it's 11-0-11, but you can't touch the quarterback in those same times. And you know, as you said, as a guy that was not a trained scout, they didn't realize that they didn't have a left tackle. You and I have been screaming it. I, I, I read your, we, we've been screaming it for 12 months. It's been pretty obvious. One of the best moves that John Dorsey made when he was in Kansas City was getting Mitchell Schwartz from Cleveland. Yep. Right? Gave him a right tackle. Eric Fisher, or Fisher, that was from Central Michigan, I believe. Or? Yep. Was their number one pick, and everybody put, but Eric Fisher. But he became pretty good. So he had bookend tight ends when they were able to let Alex Smith flourish in that offense in Kansas City. It's not like John Dorsey doesn't know, but for whatever reason in this situation, and I keep going back to that. Baker Mayfield. There's a lot of things that aren't right with Baker Mayfield, and there's still a name that I keep bringing up. Okay, every other week. As much as Baker enjoys being around Freddie Kitchens, Ken Zampezi was a quarterback coach. People. Ken Zampezi was a guy who worked with them day in and day out. Todd Haley 
helped work with him for as much of a jackass as he was, as much as he thought he was going to be the head coach. And Ken Zampezi is Hugh Jackson's guy. I got no love for Hugh. You guys know that. I'm just saying, everybody wants to throw everybody under the – we make all the jokes about ex-coaches, and it's fun. We all do it, me included. We throw everybody under the bus once, once they, they're finally fired because they're all idiots. But let's really think about something. Can all of these coaches, all of them, all of them, be these idiots that they look like on Sunday when they put that orange and brown hat on? Mike Pettin looks pretty good right now as a defensive coordinator in Green Bay, and maybe that's what he should be. Maybe he should have never been, been brought in as a head coach. But he looks good when he's a defensive coordinator. Green Bay's defense has been pathetic. They got a chance to go pretty deep in the playoffs this year if they just can hold their ground defensively with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing. I just – like, I, I hear people already getting ready to throw Freddie completely under, you know, and it'll be a huge – you know, orange juice will be flying everywhere when you finally roll over Freddie in that belly. But it's deeper than Freddie Kitchens, man. And part of it goes back to we all knew you needed a left tackle. We all did. And the one thing I'll say about, and I'm not putting this all completely on the general manager, but John Dorsey got like a lot of us, man. Is he, the sun got bright in his eyes with all these superstars, and he forgot about what matters the most on game day. And it's having the grinders. Where are our grinders? You gave What's up a Chad grinder. <laughs> I'm glad you go in that locker. But you, you know what I'm saying. Where are the grinders? Odell, or you know what? Jarvis comes off like a grinder. But a wide receiver grinder is different. I just know where you, who's your, here's, here's the thing. Who's your key special team players? And maybe I'm saying this because I haven't paid enough attention to this. But sometimes even those type guys, like who are the guys that can say enough of this bullshit? Let's just get it back to, let's get back to normal. Because your quarterback has, your quarterback needs somebody to put a foot in his ass. Well, back to and normal. It don't seem like anybody is. Back to normal, they're there. There's, there's a penalty flag on every single special teams play. I mean, that's bad. I, I know. <laughs> hey, no. Hey, in Romeo's days, we didn't get penalties on special teams. That's when we flourished. <laughs> All right. Quick, quick question, yes or no answer. Have you, what, have you seen any replays of the shovel pass where they throw it right to the guy? Yes. I, I, okay. I, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so yes. quick question, yes or yeah. no answer. Does it look to you like Baker knew something bad was about to happen and threw it anyway? Yes, and it I think, does. and I'm not blaming. I'm does. Yeah, it, it does. I'm gonna tell you like, why. I don't know. As a as, as a former running back, I can tell you this: that was taught. Well, I mean, I'm not saying anything. You guys are gonna be surprised by. It. That's great coaching, people. That that player was told when you see because I've heard coaches say this, and most players aren't smart enough to pick up one. When you see tackle or when you see guard pull, and you see said number eighty coming opposite way. Follow the fucking t- the tra- the guard. The, that'll take you to the ball. Bill Belichick is a genius. And because they run so much trickery, and this is why trick plays can't be your bread and butter, people, because trick plays have giveaways. And you can only do so many things with these trick plays. And when you get a coach like Bill Belichick, he already knows the three things you can do out of each formation or when you do certain formations. You got beat on a – you got – that was co- – the players made the play on that play, Zach. But that's Bill Belichick on a, on a Sunday when everybody's back at home sleeping and eating bonbons. That's when he's watching your take for the 15th time going, this is what they're going to do when they do this. And the player read it perfectly. Correct. Um, you said a name there that I'm going to bring up. And 
the name is Alex Smith. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on right now, Monday to Saturday, with Baker, with Ryan Lindley, with Todd Munkin, with Freddie. We know what it looks like on Sunday. And, hell, the last two games we've seen two quarters or two-plus quarters of good Baker, or at least yeah. better than okay Baker, and then we've seen the rest. Right? Um, there's clear regression. Right. The numbers are awful. So he's still only 20-some games in. He's still a second-year quarterback. And, obviously, nothing around him is going on, with the exception of Nick Chubb, to help. Right? But it's clear right. this is a power-run right. team uh, at, at the midseason clear. point. Clear. Right? Um, I, I'm not drawing any conclusions either way. But I just hope that some of you are prepared and didn't spend all your money on T-shirts for the possibility <laughs> that Baker's ceiling might be Alex Smith. Whoa! I'm not owing because you're wrong. I'm owing because I, I was. I'm. You I said it's better than for the possibility because I acknowledge that it's no, too early. No, yeah, right. It's way too early. But it's way. Let me say it. You said it very well. And then, hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with being Alex Smith. Just not what you expect when you draft number one overall. Well, you're not, yeah, you're not going to win. Think, yeah. This is your guy, right? No. Dre, right, right. Me, this is John Dorsey and Baker Mayfield's team, right? It sure is great to have Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and Larry Ogunjobi and Sheldon Richardson, right? It sure is great to have Denzel right. Ward and Jarvis Landry and, and, and certainly Nick Chubb. But, like, this team, when the idea is to eventually win and win big and win a lot and win for a lot of years or at least win big one year, like, this is about Dorsey and Baker. They're the top guys. And they're either going to get you there or they're going to fail like everybody else before them. Right? Jordan face or mm-hmm. trophy? Right. Yeah. Well, well, and the other thing that plays into this, because you're dead on with that, is that the expectations that we have for Baker, even A to Z, are way higher than being a mediocre in-the-middle quarterback. And for the Browns, and this is not me making fun of anybody, a middle-of-the-road mediocre quarterback is a step up. But we have expectations for what Baker did and what we saw in 2018 and where he was drafted. We have expectations that he's going to be our next – our next. he's going to carry us. He's going to – hell, you know, not even a year ago, I had people telling me he should be taking over LeBron on the side of, of, the, of the Sherman Williams building, right? Like, you know, there are radio shows. You know, oh, he's bigger than LeBron. He's better than what LeBron brought us. This is the best. Mo- I mean, we've we've got to, and and as I go back to, it's great to have a great relationship, but just because you have six successful games does not mean you don't need to be coached. Still, he's not fundamentally. He's not at a good place right now. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. A lot of the throws are behind. I said this before the bye because his footwork is off a little bit, and that's okay. That happens to young quarterbacks. But the key, the key is to have a coach or a, or a backup quarterback, a veteran backup quarterback, and go, hey, man, your, your footwork is off. Or, hey, man, next time we see that player, or next time you think New England may have that play, rather than look like that, get the fuck out of the player, call the timeout. Don't wait for the punt team comes on and lose five yards. Throw it in the ground. Right, yeah. right. Like, there was a play, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I may be speaking out of turn, but I saw something last year, and I, and I, I bit my tongue on this. Because we all want to like Baker, right? And there was a, there was a, maybe it was during the uh, during the TV show last year, and, it's, and it was in a it was in a game in, in August, and the referee came over to explain something to Freddie, or it was in the preseason this year, and a referee came over to explain something to Freddie, and Baker just motherfucked the referee, 
as the referee is trying to explain the call to Freddie. And you can see Baker just motherfucking this guy up and down. Now, when I'm drunk hanging out with my friends that used to live in Parma, we high-five and think that's cute. But the adult in me and the adult in most of us, you realize you don't do that at that point in time. And there wasn't one veteran. There wasn't a Jarvis Landry to grab Baker and be like, hey, man, fuck that guy. You know, don't worry. Like, this ain't the time for that. You know, like, it, like if you and I were out and you knew I was right, but I would start yelling and making an ass of myself, as a friend and as a teammate and as a leader, you would probably grab me on the shoulder and be like, dude, that's enough. Just like if, if you see us, me on Twitter or somewhere getting into a stupid disagreement, sooner or later you're going to text and be like, all right, calm down, Rambo. Like, you're, you know, you're going to give me a, a, a sign or something of, that's enough. You're making an ass of yourself. There's nobody in Berea that's tapping him on the shoulder to go, all right, man, that's enough. Give it up. Let's move on. There's a better way to do this, to contain yourself and be a leader. Because they need him to lead, but there's no one to teach him how to lead. So he's leading like you lead a high school football team. Just like our boy Greg Williams. Come get some, bitch. <laughs> it all plays into this. It, it all does, though. It's... <laughs> <laughs> All right, I only got a few more minutes. Hey, and they, and they still, I get it. Okay, um, I'm going to Denver early this week, so maybe or maybe not we'll, uh, on the next podcast for this week. We'll see. But just in case we don't, I want to play our obscure uh, Browns Player of the Week, which is sponsored by our friends at Cleveland Whiskey. Uh, this is Cleveland Whiskey's time of year. They just rolled out the Christmas bourbon. They want to be what you buy for your Ohio State parties, for your Browns tailgate parties, for your fall get-togethers. Uh, so look them up. They're all over the web, all over social media. They've been good to us, and they'll be good to you, the folks at Cleveland Whiskey. Okay, so I'm not going to make light of what happened, Dre, but we remember when the Browns had a Thursday night game and Gary Baxter tore both patella tendons uh, on one play. Just a yes, I do. Play, yes, I do. Ended his career. I'm not making light of that, but he is our obscure Browns player of the week because I've never told this story on the podcast, and I'm going to tell it now. Uh, when he was in Cleveland, he got set up with a girl I know on a date. I'm assuming it was some level of a blind date, but they knew kind of the same people, whatever. Gary was a character, but I didn't know he was this much of a character. So he meets this girl at a restaurant, and they're making the small talk that I guess you make on a a blind date and whatever, and it comes time to order, and and he says uh, to the girl, do you like wine? And she says, yeah. She says, well, what kind of of, uh, wine do you like? And I don't know. I'm not into wine, and I wasn't there. This is past third hand to me, but I know it's damn true. So I'm trying not to laugh before you tell it because I know it. <laughs> they get to talking about wine, and he says, "Oh yeah, me and my teammates, uh, we're big into wine. You know, we we brought some home from California. We ordered some online from so and so, and whatever." So they have this discussion about different kinds of wines and what they've sampled and what they like. And the uh, waitress comes back and she says, "Have you guys made a decision on?" What kind of wine you like? And he looks at her and says, yes, we'll have the Merlot. (laughs) 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 The thing is, the thing is, we could literally do probably a good 35, 40 minutes straight of Gary Baxter stories. And you would just laugh your ass off. And And it's not that we hate it, Gary. Gary was just a hell of a character. Hell of a character. Ain't that right, Tony Bucci? Remember when he went on on Tony Grossi about coming back? <laughs> look, you don't want to answer. Look, look, look I, come on, man. You can't, don't, 
You remember that? I do. I do. I can't even do the imitation because I'm laughing about the goddamn Merlot. <laughs> All right, Merlot. Well, well I, see, there's something I, I shouldn't say right here, but I'm going to say. This is the extra. The beginning of Andre Knott and Tony Grossi, I guess the beginning of him blocking me, started with Gary Baxter. Gary Baxter embarrassed Tony Grossi so bad. And it was run on Channel 19. And it was run everywhere because I guess I asked a question to Gary and then Tony tried to ask. And then he just, um, he killed Gary. He killed Grossi. Just mocked the shit out of him, basically. Just went all the way in on him. And when he did that, and I guess Gary talked to me on the way out or I did something on, I did, because I was working for STL, I think I did an interview with Gary after he talked to the group. So Tony Grossi went out of his way to pull me to the side two or three days later and accuse me of giving Gary Baxter or helping Gary Baxter saying, telling Gary Baxter something that was said in the room, in the, in the media room. I never did that. I never would do that. I have more character and there's more to me. And I don't think Gary Baxter gives a fuck about what we were talking about in that room anyway. But that day, Grossy caught tried to call me out and pull me to the side and thought I was the reason Gary Baxter embarrassed the shit out of me. And lo and behold, 11, 12 years later, the quarterback of the Browns is doing the same thing Gary Baxter did to him one time. He does every week. And I, don't, I haven't been to Berea in a couple of years, but I'm going this week. So it's a good time for me to not tell this story, but I just told it because, well, I'm an asshole. Well, I would say this as we thank seeing the Honeymoon Grill, American Fireworks, Cleveland Whiskey, <laughs> and all of you guys. You can't even keep talking. I would say just as a reminder to those of you on Twitter who get angry about the wrong things. For the 14,311th time, <laughs> the problem in Berea is not in the media room. Thanks for listening. Hopefully nope. we'll talk to you later this week, but we still don't know. Kenichiwa, Gary Baxter, and all involved. Have him or lot and call hey, on Uber. Hey, hey, Romeo. Hey, Romeo, which knee did he hurt? Both of them. Kenichiwa, both of them. <laughs>